The Champions Hockey League semi-finals are set. The World Juniors is just around the corner. And the NHL, well, that's its usual crazy self. We're making a list at Hockey with Ice. We're going to find out who's been naughty or nice over the past week around the hockey world here on episode 10 of the Hockey with Ice podcast. Welcome to the Hockey with Ice podcast. Hello and welcome to the Hockey With Ice podcast episode 10 being recorded on the British evening of Monday, December 18th. I hope you're doing well. My name is Matt and yes, we are now officially one week away from Christmas Day, which comes really quickly every year. I've got my tree up, got the decorations up. Thankfully, I don't have too many people I need to buy presents for and all of that jazz and there's not too much in the way of running around over Christmas, going from one party to another. So I'm kind of lucky in that respect. Although I guess some people enjoy all of that, but it's hopefully going to be a nice relaxing one for me with lots of hockey to enjoy over the period. But we shall see. Of course, we've got the World Juniors coming up. That starts in Gothenburg on December 26th, Boxing Day, and plenty of other NHL games and other events to look forward to too. So we will be covering all the flows coming up. This is probably going to be the last podcast of the year. Maybe I may do another one during the Christmassy break. We'll see what's going on. But plenty to look at and no better place to start than the Champions Hockey League. Champions Hockey League. Yes, the semi-finals are set in the Champions Hockey League after last week's quarter-finals were settled and we had some real drama, as expected, and plenty to catch up on. First of the four matchups was Luko Rama and Dinamo Pardubica, and it is Rama who have gone through in the tie on an 8-7 aggregate victory. So they were 6-4 up from the first leg in Pardubica, Although, as you may recall, Pardubica did come back twice from being four goals behind. So they kept in it, kept battling away and gave themselves a chance heading to Finland. But in the second leg, Pardubica did actually manage to win it 3-2 to on the night, but it wasn't quite enough to get through. Rama went into the third period up 2-1 thanks to two goals from Hari Kanu-Linen. And the score stayed that way until just under three minutes to go when Adam Musil levelled the game on the night with Pardubica having an extra attacker on the ice. They then scored another barely a minute later to make the home crowd really nervous. But Pardubica couldn't quite find a final goal to push it to overtime. So Luko Ramat go through. Pardubica had a great Champions Hockey League campaign, you have to say. They can now concentrate on the Tipsport Extra League in the Czech Republic. They last won it in the 2011-2012 season and they are top at the moment. They've had a big boost in fact, just this past week, they've confirmed the signing of former New York Ranger Libor Hayek on a multi-year contract. So he was in the American Hockey League so far this season, but has decided to come back to the Czech Republic. I believe, looking at my notes, he has signed until, I think it was 2028 or something like that. Oh, it's a two-year contract. He, um, yeah, a two-year contract to return to Pardubica, reuniting with his brother Tomas, although he's currently playing for their B team in Czechia too. 
So big move for Dinamo Panovic. So they've strengthened their team for the rest of the Czech League. But it is Luka Rama who progress on as the lone Finnish um, team at the moment. Trying to, I guess, keep hold of that title in Finland after Tapara Tompera won it last year. Luka Rama will have a semi-final against Genef Savet. As the Swiss National League team held on to their advantage to knock out reigning Swedish champions Fekwa Lakers. This is probably the big surprise of the quarterfinal stage. Fekwa Lakers were my favourite to go on and win the whole competition. But that big 4-1 win at home from Genef Savet in the first leg was such a shock. I mean, honestly, the Lakers just didn't turn up. Let's be honest, Fekwa looked really sluggish in that one. And Lee, although the Fekwa did win 3-2 at home at Fido Arena last week. They never really pushed on and looked like they were going to turn it around. They did take the lead on the night, 35 minutes in through Liedvig Nielsen. But Genève equalised early in the third period through Sami Vatanen. And then dealt the killer blow two minutes later when they scored a short-handed goal through Sakari Mananin to extend their aggregate lead to 6-2. Now, Carly Kosler. Robert Rosin both scored with an extra attacker on the ice to give the home fans some hope in the final 10 minutes. But Genève held firm and won the tie 6-4 on aggregate. So big shock in the quarterfinal stage. Genève Servet knocking out Fekwa Lakers and they will take on Luko Rama in the semi-final. Swedish hopes in the Champions Hockey League now rest on Huelaf as They turned around a 4-3 first leg deficit, beat Foriestod 4-1 in Lufberg's arena to win the tie 7-5 on aggregate. You may recall, Forestad were 4-1 up in the first leg, but Horefce got two late goals in that one. When we spoke last week on the podcast, how big will those goals prove to be? Well, they proved to be very big indeed. Horefce got off to the perfect start in the second leg, drawing level on aggregate when Dylan Sakura scored after 4 minutes 40. But captain Linus Johansson got that goal back on a power play six minutes later when the score remained 1-1 until the final 10 minutes of the game. Halefja scored twice in four minutes through Elias Stenman and defenseman Oscar Nielsen. That gave them a 6-5 aggregate lead and then he wrapped it up with two minutes to go, Nielsen getting his second of the night into an empty net. Big credit has to go to all of the Hellestrick players, but particularly Lena Söderström in goal had a really good game for them. Made some big saves when they were crucially needed by his team. There were players missing on either side, it has to be said. Forrestad, for example, were missing uh, David Tomaszek, who was away on international duty with the Czech Republic. But this was a real turnaround from Hellefje. Forrestad had had their number so far this season. And this was a real, not a shock, but a really healthy and nice surprise for Halefja to turn around the deficit from the first leg at home and to knock Forrest Dodd out. And whether they can go all the way, that's not going to be the question. I would hazard the position. Are they the favourites? Interested to hear your thoughts on that. Who do you think are the favourites now? What we do know is that Halefja are going to take on Vitkovicja Radira. The Czech side turned around a 2-1 first leg deficit to knock out Rappersville Yona Lakers 6-3 on aggregate. Things did start well for the Lakers at Ostrava Arena when Dominic Lama gave them a lead just three minutes into the game. So that extended their aggregate lead to 3-1. Looked like Rappersville were really on their way. But 
Credit to Vitkovic, didn't deter them at all. They hit back with three unanswered goals in the second period. Two of them from Tomas Fondertrek, and he completed his hat-trick with just over six minutes to go, scoring a power play goal. Rappersville were caught with too many men on the ice, an absolute killer to be done with that. Captain Dominic Lakatosh finished it off with an empty netter to make it 5-1 on the night, a historic night for the home team. They knock out Rappersville, the Lakers, and will face Halefja in the semi-finals. So those two semi-finals, they are two-legged affairs. First legs will be played on the 9th and 10th of January, second legs then a week later on the 16th and 17th. A time of recording hasn't been determined which semi-final will be on which date, but should be two really good semi-finals. Hmm. I will leave it to close and near the time, probably on the 8th of January when I put in my predictions for the semi-finals, but... Some big games to look forward to, and fans of those teams will be really excited over the Christmas period, knowing they've got semi-finals in a Champions Hockey League to come. And yeah, as I said, a few shocks along the way, but it sets up the semi-final stage for a lot of excitement and a lot of drama, and could go any which way. All four teams could have a real shot at winning it. So we will see who is going to follow on from Topra Topra and win the Champions Hockey League in 2024. We move on from the Champions Hockey League to have a little look at international hockey because there's plenty of that coming up over the Christmas period. We start with the Spengler Cup, which you may not know quite so much about. This is an invitational tournament held in Davos, Switzerland every year. It was first held in 1923, so... Last year was technically a 100-year anniversary. It wasn't played every single year over that time. For the first time they played it in 23, it was Oxford University team who, who won it. Oxford University were involved and Cambridge University were involved at some points too. So it's really changed changed shape over the years. But um, after two off years due to COVID, Spengler Cup returned last year and Ambry Piotta were the team who won it beating Sparta Praha in the final. So you generally have five club teams and then Team Canada. Last time, Team Canada lost both of their group games and then were knocked out 3-1 by Swedish Team Erebru in the quarterfinals. So this year's edition starts on Tuesday 26th, so Boxing Day in Davos, Switzerland. It goes for five days, I think, Tuesday to Sunday. Uh, Team Canada and Davos are joined by the reigning champs, Ambry Piotta, Dinamo Pardubice, so they um, can recover from their Champions Hockey League disappointment and crack on to try and win the Spengler Cup. Kalpa Kupia, I think it is, Kupia, Kalpa Kupia from Finland and Frölunda from the Swedish Hockey League. Frölunda were due to be involved, I think, in 2000. 2000, sorry, 2020, I think, um, before COVID came along and scrapped it. So they are going to be in it this time around. Now, the interesting thing with the Team Canada is that Bruce Boudreau is going to be the head coach. And that was announced just earlier last week. Um, the former, of course, last year with the Vancouver Canucks, Bruce, there it is, and all of that stuff. He is making his international coaching debut in this one, serving as head coach for Team Canada. 
So that will be interesting to see. No details yet in terms of broadcast stuff. I believe it's on TSN in Canada. Um, but elsewhere, not sure as yet. Now, the same goes for the World Juniors, which is such an exciting tournament. I know we're all looking forward to that one. That also starts on Boxing Day. So World Juniors is the under-20s event. And it's being held in Gothenburg in Sweden. So much exciting hockey to look forward to. I was looking through the schedule um, earlier today. I mean, the 26th, so on Boxing Day, local time 2.30, UK time 1.30 p.m., Finland against Canada. Starting off as we mean to go on, right? So, yeah, really exciting tournament. Again, not sure yet as to what the broadcast rights are going to be here in the UK. Different parts of Europe will have it on TV. I'm not sure if it's going to be on Fireplay here in the UK or it's going to be on YouTube. I don't know. But uh, keep an eye out for your local listings in terms of where you're going to be able to watch it. But it's going to be lots of good games. So on 26th, there are four games. Same again on the 27th. Same again on the 28th. Um, and the 29th. Or two on the 29th. Is that right? get myself confused there's two on the 28th four on the 29th two on the 30th four on the 31st and then you get the quarterfinals on january 2nd and january 3rd no i can't read it's all on january 2nd um and then games on the fourth and fifth as well so lots of good hockey to enjoy there team canada and Team USA have been releasing their rosters just in the past week. There's been lots of excitement because it's such a big event, particularly in Canada, the World Juniors. So lots of good content out there about the two rosters. So um, have a little search on the Internet. That's what it's there for to learn more about those squads. The main news that's just come out today is with Team Canada. So Team Canada had deliberately left one roster spot open with the hope of getting a young NHL player to be part of the team. Initially, they were looking at Zach Benson. Looked like he may be coming along, the 18-year-old. Currently playing for the Buffalo Sabres and left, suffered a few injuries. We'll go into that in the injury section in a moment. But that kind of ruled him out, really. Particularly Jeff Skinner going down injured this past week. So he isn't involved, but have no fear, because the Boston Bruins have let Matthew Patra... Patra? I call it Patra, I think it is. Matthew Patra has been loaned to Team Canada for the event. So the rookie centre will be off to Gothenburg. He's 19 years old. Looking at the reports on the Canada team, they are generally feeling that the offence isn't quite as deep and exciting as it has been in the past. There's still some very good talent. Uh, Macklin Celebrini is the one that people particularly are looking forward to watching. Certainly, I am 17-year-old. He's at Boston University at the moment. By all accounts, very likely to go first in the draft next year. Um, so we've heard about the Sansa who say Shark's been quite keen to get him because his father works for the, the um, Golden State Warriors. So there's a bit of a link there. So Macklin Celebrini, really looking forward to seeing him there. Of course, Previous year's event was dominated by Conor Bedard, who put up ridiculous numbers. Um, best single tournament showing of all time from Conor Bedard. Now, comparing anyone to Conor Bedard is a bit of a stretch, but Macklin Celebrini is certainly very highly rated among draft scouts. 
So looking forward to seeing him. But yes, Matthew Patra is going to be on the Canada team. Which is going to be a lot of fun. So keep an eye out on your local TV listings to find out where the details are. I really hope it is available. Sometimes with these things, they put them on YouTube and then it's geo-blocked depending where you are. So if it's not anywhere in the UK, hopefully it will be on YouTube. And if it's not on YouTube for you, hopefully there is a TV deal or some subscription thing where you can watch it somehow because it's going to be good. And it's the perfect time of year, right? Starts on Boxing Day. There's nothing else going on. Sit back with box of Quality Street or Heroes, whichever is your favourite. A nice mug of tea. Eating your leftover turkey and all of that stuff. Christmas hat on. Christmas jumper on. And enjoying lots of good hockey. All sounds good to me. Talking about good hockey, of course, there's nowhere better than the NHL. And that is where we turn our attention to now. We start, as always, on a Monday with news from NHL of their free stars for the previous week, the weekend in December 17th. And the three guys who've been chosen this week are Nathan McKinnon, Thatcher Demko, and Noah Dobson. So Nathan McKinnon is the first star, extended the NHL's longest active point streak to 15 games along the way. Absolutely in incredible form. Not exactly a surprise that Matthew McKinnon, Nathan McKinnon, sorry, is doing really well, but he is piling on the points at the moment for the Colorado Avalanche. Second star is Thatcher Demko. Now, we got a chance to see him over the weekend for the Vancouver Canucks. Both Vancouver Canucks games on Saturday and Sunday were European-friendly time. So Demko was in on Sunday, if I remember correctly. Uh, according to NHL, he turned aside 89 of the 93 shots he faced during the past week. He's certainly been a key part of why the Vancouver Canucks have pushed on this year. Had a tricky season last year, let's be fair. He had injury issues and never really quite seems to be in the groove of things. But he's such a quality goalie. You knew his turn around and he certainly has so far this season. Just have the Vancouver Canucks have more generally. They've had a really good start to the year. Very promising, very encouraging for them. Let's see what they can do in the second half and whether they can keep things going. And as for the first start, that is Noah Dobson of the New York Islanders. They've been involved in quite a few good games of late, quite exciting ones, not always going the Islanders' way, but he paced the NHL with eight assists and a plus seven rating in four games to guide the Islanders to points in three of their four contests on the week. So well done to him. That is Nathan McKinnon, Thatcher Demko and Noah Dobson as the three stars of the week, according to the NHL. Someone who didn't win a star and didn't win much, unfortunately for him, was Craig Berube, who has been sacked by the St. Louis Blues. This took place early last week. Surprising, I would say. I mean, I know the Blues hadn't started particularly well. It was a an underwhelming start, but... I can't help but think that it wasn't that surprising a start considering their roster. Lots of talent there. Well, there's plenty of talent on that roster, but still they weren't an ideal set of players right out of the gate that you thought, yes, they're going to get into the playoffs. They've got the potential to do it, but the fact that they're a bit up and down, they've been inconsistent, was kind of what 
I expected, I don't think many people expected, out of this team. But unfortunately for Craig Berube, he has been relieved of his duties, as they like to say in polite terms. Drew Bannister has been appointed to head coach on an interim basis. At the moment, he was the AHL affiliates head coach before that. So, of course, the big thing there, Berube was the man who finally brought the Stanley Cup to St. Louis, taking over during the 2018-19 season and winning the Cup that season. So he's beloved in St. Louis again. I think plenty of Blues fans were surprised that he paid for it. The team hadn't been in good form, but still felt a bit of a shock that he was moved on when he was. And it had implications for one of their best players because Jordan Cairo was asked about Berube being moved on and he wasn't exactly uh he wasn't exactly uh how should I put it waxing lyrical about Berube he was asked about his relationship with Berube on Thursday and said I've got no comment he's not my coach anymore Um, and then started talking about Drew Bannister as being a fresh start for the team to get our culture back a little bit. Unfortunately for Cairo, he overlooked the fact fact that Berube was so well thought of by Blues fans. So when he came out for the game against Ottawa Senators that night, his name was booed when it was announced in the starting lineup, and occasionally he was booed even when he touched the puck. And I did feel sorry for Carew. You could see after the game, he made a point to do, um, to make himself available to the media. Um, Apologised for how his comments came across. His exact quote was, sorry if it sounded in a bad way at all. I'm just really trying to focus on the future here and focus on what I can do to help get the wins for the boys. Um, So that was basically what he was saying. But yeah, he did get very emotional about it. You could see it was it, he, he took it really hard. Let's be fair. He said, um, it's the toughest game I've played, to be honest. I love playing here. It's tough to hear the fans booing me here. So a negative reaction to that. But I don't think anything that Kyrie will not be able to get over. I think fans were still somewhat in shock about Brewery Bay being moved on. So yeah. Not particularly well managed by Kairou to Kairou to um to just be a bit more savvy. I know we like we, we all at times complain about very um, staged managed comments and very stilted, controlled personalities who try to say nothing controversial at all in press conferences and when they're available to the media and none of us like that we want to see more character we want to see people be more real Um, but sometimes you do have to play the game a little bit and even if he wasn't particularly well disposed to Beribe yeah he kind of learned a lesson there sometimes it's better just to what is it they say you've got nothing good to say say nothing at all or something like that so yes Kairou Needs to win back favour, I think, from Blues fans, but I'm sure he will. That leads us on to what is always one of the more difficult parts of the podcast. And that means it's injury time. So as the ambulance winds its way away 
It's really, well, starting off at least a goalie episode of the injury count here, starting with Jake Ottinger, a very good Dallas Stars goalie, who unfortunately is going to be out for a little while. Um, came out of the game on Friday, so that's Friday 15th, against Ottawa, came out having allowed two goals and two shots, and yeah, came out in the first period. He has some sort of lower body injury, was sort of stretching his leg a bit somehow, it just didn't seem quite right and came out of the game. And they've just announced today, just having a quick look, uh, Pete DeBoer informed reporters on Monday that um, he is going to be out on a week-to-week basis with lower body injury, but the Stars haven't yet placed him on long-term injured reserve. So DeBoer said that Ottage's tests were encouraging. The fact that he's not on long-term injured reserve yet at least means that he's Probably not going to miss 10 games or 28 days, whichever way you want to work it out, depending on the situation. So maybe a couple of weeks, it sounds like. I don't think it's something he's going to turn around really quickly, but hopefully not as bad as it might have been. It's going to mean Scott Wedgwood is going to get plenty of time in net for them. He's been a bit shaky so far this season, but you can say that about quite a few goalies right now. I know that very well as an Edmonton Oilers fan. So Scott Wedgwood will get plenty of playing time there. Now, I love this story and it's the sort of thing that I love picking up here on Hockey With Ice podcast because what happened on Saturday, so Jay Cottinger gets injured. They travel to St. Louis, in fact, on the Saturday to play the Blues and they don't really have a way to bring in another goalie at that point in terms of a backup with Scott Wedgwood going in net. So they did what teams sometimes have to do when they're on the road, and that is they rang around and found someone who could be an emergency backup. Now, the reason I love this sort of thing is because this sort of stuff, every which way you look in sport, um, they try to take this sort of stuff out of the game. And I understand it. Everything's so professional. Everything's got so much money around it and so much money riding on it that you try and take these things out of it. So years ago in football, for example, it used to be great because there'd be hardly any subs allowed. So occasionally you would have an outfield player having to go in goal. Now, it still very occasionally happens. I can't think who did it fairly recently. Someone did recently, didn't they? Um, But it doesn't really happen anymore because you have so many subs that you don't need it. And I understand why, but it's a lot of fun when it happens. And the other example that came to mind for me was that we still have this in cricket, in international cricket. They don't have like squad members. Well, they do have squad members. I never really understand this, but if they need a substitute fielder, it tends to be like a local guy who's on the club that they're playing at or the ground they're playing at, who will come in, obviously, um, was it Gary Gary Pratt, was it, who came in famously in the 2005 Ashes, uh, drawing the ire of Ricky Ponting of the Australians because he was a very good fielder and he ran him out. Um, but yeah, it always seems a bit weird that in today's very professional world, they still just leave it to some guy, local club guy. I mean, it's, they're a bit better than a local club guy, let's be honest, but just some random person can come in and be a substitute. And this is kind of the, the, the hockey equivalent, isn't it? So it's a great story. So this was um, 
what was his name? Joseph O'Brien was brought in. So he played college hockey at Niagara University. Um, had been part of St. Louis organization, under 16s and under 18s. Um, and one of his coaches during that time is a senior advisor to the GM at the Blues. So essentially what happened is that Dallas rang up um, St. Louis GM, Doug Armstrong said that we may need someone in an emergency. Do you know anyone locally who could come and fill in for us? And uh, that's what they did. So it's brilliant stuff here. He said um, he got a text from the assistant general manager, Ryan Miller, explaining the situation whilst he was working at the family restaurant. Um, so there he was. He said, I was downstairs changing kegs and I got a text from Blues assistant GM Brian Miller saying, hey, here's the situation. We'll just kind of keep you updated. They'll probably need you for the morning skate from Blair will kind of see. And then he got a call from the Dallas assistant GM. And there he was on the bench. Didn't have to come in, thankfully, for um, the Dallas Stars. But what an incredible experience for him. I love that sort of stuff. It, again, that sort of stuff just doesn't happen in the ruthlessly, meticulously planned and calculated professional sports world that we're in today. But it's nice that things like that happen every now and then. So good on Joseph O'Brien for having a little day, being part of the Dallas Stars. Good for him. Not so good in Carolina, where the goalie situation has been a bit of a nightmare for the Canes. It's kind of good and bad here. First off, there was the surprising news the other day that Antti Ranta was placed on waivers, and he has actually cleared waivers, so he's going to the AHL. But he came into the offseason, signed a $1.5 million contract to stay with the Canes. Seemed to work well with him and Freddie Anderson splitting time. So it seemed like kind of a natural thing to do. Let's just keep them together and keep them going. But it hasn't worked out at all for him this season. He's really struggled. I mean, it's not just been a couple of bad games. He's been, you know, his numbers look pretty frightening, really. What is he? 14 games in, an 8-5-4 save percentage. 3.61 goals against average. Again, good for the Oilers, but not so good for what the Canes were wanting. Um, he played against Nashville on Friday and had six goals on 30 shots. And that seemed to be basically it for the Canes. They decided they wanted to get him out of there for a little while at the very least. So he was put on waivers and has cleared waivers. So he is going to the AHL. They've got uh, Peter Kochikov. Is it how you pronounce it? Kochikov. Um, he has been a bit up and down. I mean, he's a crazy guy. We saw the example of, was it against Boston? I can't remember. No, it was against Ottawa, wasn't it? He came out because Brady Kachuk had a chance against him on a penalty shot, was it? Uh, or maybe it was a shootout. One of the two. But uh, yes, Kochikov decided to take him out, basically. And Brady Kachuk wasn't very happy. Big old hoo-ha. Love it. But yeah, he's a bit mad, let's be honest. The main thing for the Canes is that Freddie Anderson has been out. And he's been out. Pretty scary situation, really. He's been out with blood clot issues. Um, thankfully, it's been announced today that he is on his way back. So it's just been announced that he has been medically cleared to resume skating. That still means he's possibly maybe like a month away from returning properly. 
but at least he's on the mend, which is really good news, particularly, you know, this is not just a hockey injury, is it? It's a potentially serious medical issue. So glad to hear he is on the mend and is coming back. And yeah, the Canes could do with it because it's been a bit of a tricky situation for them with the goaltender so far this season. They'd like a bit more stability. Hopefully, sort of mid-January time, Freddie Anderson will be back for them. And hopefully also by then, um, Antti Ranta has potentially rediscovered his form in the AHL and can help them along because they definitely need it. Lots of expectations in Carolina this season, as there should be. And hopefully he can come in and do a good job getting a bit of a reset in the American Hockey League. It's not really happening for the Oilers with Jack Campbell, who is just going from bad to worse in the American Hockey League. But we'll, we'll move away from that $5 million, $5 million a year disaster and move on to a couple of quick hits as we wrap up today's episode. So a few things to pick out. Again, a few injuries to focus on. So Jeff Skinner, I mentioned him earlier. Buffalo Sabres, unfortunately, he's been put on injured reserve. The result of an upper body injury he suffered last week. That was on Wednesday, suffered the injury. So he's out for a while. And again, that really put the kibosh on uh, Zach Benson being involved in the World Juniors. Another guy to look at, Patrick Laine. Uh, Patrick Laine, sorry, he's had a, I mean, a miserable season, really, isn't it? So summed up by the fact that he was a healthy scratch for the first time a couple of weeks ago and he wasn't very happy about it. And he said it was like the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to him or something like that. But um, that was painful from a mental point of view, but unfortunately he suffered plenty of pain physically. He suffered a clavicle fracture during um, or actually a win against the Toronto Maple Leafs that was on Thursday last week. Um, basically fell into the ice, crashed into the boards, smashed into them, held his sort of throat with his shoulder, it looked like. So he is going to be out for four to six weeks and not good stuff. Probably back late January for Patrick Laine. So things going from bad to worse for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And one bit of news also to catch up on from the outside or outside of the usual on the ice stuff is the situation going on with Washington. Now, I I hate all of this potentially moving on and um, trying to con the local councils to giving loads of money to billion dollar sports franchises or will leave and all of that nonsense, particularly as an Oakland A's fan who hates the fact that they're moving to Vegas. The situation with the Capitals and the Wizards is a bit, I don't know, it seems a bit of a strange one to me. Capital One Arena, where they play, isn't that old. It does seem a bit ridiculous, let's be honest, that they, they seem to want a load of money, millions and hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayers' money uh, to build a lovely new arena. Um, there was a vote last week from Virginia lawmakers where they are apparently promising to build a venue in Northern Virginia. Now, I don't know the geography too much, but apparently it's not really all that far from where they currently are based. So although it sounded, when I saw the headline, I thought, oh, blimey, that's that's a nightmare, isn't it? It's apparently, is it something like four miles or something? I may be wrong. I may have made that up, but it, it it's not too bad in terms of moving somewhere. If you're going to move somewhere, it's at least relatively close. But still, it seems a bit of a bizarre situation, both the Capitals and Wizards maybe heading away from Capital One Arena and moving across to Virginia, just a little way away. But um, I hate seeing stuff like that. It's the same with the Arizona Coyotes. I don't like the way 
these teams basically emotionally blackmail politicians into dishing out huge sums of taxpayers' money for no real benefit. And as is always the way with these things, you know, if it uh, if the franchise was really that successful, if having this arena was so brilliant from a revenue point of view and from an economic impact point of view, well, why can't these very rich owners uh, stump up the money themselves and then get the rewards if it all works out well for them? Funny enough, they don't want to take on the risks, do they? So... There we are. That is my <laughs> social commentary for the podcast, done and dusted. And that is it for this episode, episode 10 of the Hockey With Ice podcast. hope you've uh, got everything ready for Christmas coming up. I'm certainly very excited. As I mentioned, there's lots of good hockey to enjoy. We'll be recording another podcast, probably heading back after the um, after the break. So... What would that be? Maybe something like Tuesday 2nd or something like that. Tuesday 2nd, Wednesday 3rd. And until then, have a great Christmas. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and to tell all your friends about the Hockey with Lights podcast. And I'll be with you again in a week or two.